0: Part 10 of The Highwayman, by H. C. Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I cannot tell. I want to know what I am to do with Harry. And you? You are another wound, Alison shuddered. For God's sake, take me to him. I will content him. Yes. For how long? Oh, I deserve it all i cannot answer you and yet you are wrong i am not such as you think me i have never had anything but contempt for mr waverton if he were not what he is he must have known that he came to me after i left harry he told me he was having harry spied upon the moment he was gone i wrote to harry and gave him warning and begged him come back to me he has never answered me and i-oh "'Am I to speak of Harry and me? "'If you could, I should not much believe you. "'From the first, madame, I have believed you. "'It was I who drove him away from me. "'I have been miserable for it ever since. "'I humbled myself. "'Captain McBean held up his hand. "'I still believe you. Pray, order your coach. "'Where is he?' "'He lies at his father's lodging. "'Observe, madame.' I HAVE SAID HE IS NOT YET DEAD. WHETHER HE LIVES RESTS, I BELIEVE TO GOD, UPON WHAT YOU MAY DO TO HIM. THEN HE WILL BE WELL ENOUGH, SHE SOBBED AS SHE LAUGHED. OH, I BELIEVE IN YOUR POWER, SAYS McBEAN WITH A TWIST OF A SMILE. SHE STAYED A MOMENT BY THE DOOR AND FLUNG HER ARMS WIDE. WHAT I AM, IT IS ALL FOR HIM. CAPTAIN McBEAN LEFT ALONE, TOOK SNUFF. A SPLENDID WILD CAT, "'And that mouse of a Harry,' says he. Chapter 33 Remorse of Colonel Boyce Captain McBean was strutting to and fro for the benefit of his impatience when Mr. O'Connor returned to him. "'Patrick, you look morose. "'Had he the legs of you?' "'He had not,' says O'Connor, nursing his hand. "'But he had a beautiful nose.' sure it was harder than you would think and i have sprained my thumb what did he fight he did not saving the tongue of him but i had broke my whip upon him so i broke his nose to be even egad he was beautiful before and behind he cannot show this long while neither behind nor before faith what will he do do you think oh lord he'll not face it out he would dream of hangman he'll take the waters he'll go the grand tour do you know patrick there's a masterly touch in old boyce to choose that oaf for his decoy at pontois who could guess a danger in him no wonder charles middleton saw no guile yet you observe the creatures full of venom "'He bleeds like a pig,' says Mr. O'Connor. "'What will we be waiting for, sir?' "'The lady. "'She goes to Harry? "'Oh, he's the lucky one. "'What a Venus it is! Ay, ay. "'She should have married you, Patrick. "'You would have ridden her.' "'Ah, now, don't destroy me with envy and desires,' says Mr. O'Connor. "'But sure there was another, a noble fat girl. "'Will she be bespoke?' she belongs to the one armed hero maybe she could do with another there is enough of her for two oh come away sir before i danger my soul they heard the wheels of the coach and marched out alison was coming downstairs with mrs weston what now says mcbean glowering do you need a duenna to watch you with your husband Madam is harry's mother sir alison said for once captain mcbean was disconcerted a thousand pardons says he and with much ceremony put mrs weston into the coach as they rode after it you fight too fast sir says o'connor with a grin i have remarked it before captain mcbean was still something out of countenance who would have thought he had a mother here he growled oh faith you did not suppose the old colonel brought him forth like jove plucking minerva out of his swollen head i did not patrick you loon but i did not guess his mother would be here with this gorgeous madame wife fie now is it the lord god don't advise you of everything tis an indignity faith captain mcbean swore at him in a friendly way and they jogged on through the islington lanes so after a while it happened that colonel boyce raising a hot and angry head at the creature who dared open his bedroom door found himself looking at mrs weston odd's my life kate what a pox do you want here says he you are hurt i thought you would want nursing i do not want nursing damn! how did you hear of the business that scotch captain rode out to tell us i'd burn the fellow humph no maybe he is no fool neither us who is us kate mrs allison she is gone up to harry now colonel boyce whistled come up and we will show you a thing hey this is scripture kate you used to have your mouth full of scripture you put me out of favour with that let it be can't you what they will make it up then does that hurt you indeed they would never have quarrelled but for you oh i blame it on me i am the devil faith come ma'am what have i done to the pretty dears she's a warm piece and harry's a milksop and that's the whole of it with your tricks you made her think harry was such as you are and that wife you married came to alison and told her that harry was baseborn. rot the shrew she must meddle must she egad she was always a blunder madame rachel he swore at her fully bah what though why should a jolly alison heed her alison knows everything now i told her egad you go beyond me kate you that made me swear none should ever know the boy was yours you go and blab it out damn you for a woman the woman looked at him strangely you have done that indeed she said no that's too bad i vow it is for once colonel boyce was stung he fell silent and fidgeted and made a long arm for the herb water by his bed mrs weston gave it him let be, can't you? he cried, and drank all the same. Eh, hey, Kate, that came over my guard. She has made you suffer, the shrew. Egad, I could whip her through the town for it. Yes, whip her. Oh, what will you have? Colonel Boyce shifted under a rueful air strange in him. I am what I am. I have had no luck in women. She was a blunder, and you? You have paid to say of me what you will. Egad, you have the chance now. Are you in pain? Be hanged to pain. Don't gloat, Kate. That's not like you, at least. Oh, I am sorry, I am sorry. No, nor that neither. Damn! What should I be with you pitying me? Let it be. Come, you want something of me, I suppose. Something for your Harry hey? what is it i want nothing but that he should live he has no need of you or me oh lord he will live but you are always full of fears yes you used to say that long ago colonel boyce winced again eh hey, you get in your thrusts kate i swear i did what i could to save him i could not have borne to come to you else Umph. I SEE NO GOOD IN YOUR COMING. THERE'S LITTLE COMFORT FOR YOU OR ME IN SEEING EACH OTHER. I SUPPOSE IT'S YOUR DAMNED DUTY. I DON'T KNOW. Oh, LORD, THEN BE GONE, AND LET'S HAVE DONE WITH IT ALL. I WANT TO STAY TILL YOU ARE WELL. I, FAITH, IT'S comfortable TO SEE YOU ON MY BACK AND HELPLESS. Mrs. Weston did not answer for a moment. She was busy with setting his table in order. I want to have some right somewhere. She is with Harry. By God, Kate, you're a good soul, Colonel Boyce cried. I am not. I am jealous of her, Mrs. Weston said with a sob. Does Harry know of you? What does it matter? He'll not care now. Kate, come here, child. No, no, I am not crying, Mrs. Weston said. Chapter 34. Harry wakes up harry lay asleep when alison came into his room she made sure of that and sat herself beside him to wait it was not you know a thing which she did well she looked down at him gravely afterwards harry would accuse her that what first she felt was how little and miserable a man she had taken to herself he lay there very still and his breath hardly stirred him Indeed, the surgery of Mr. Rolfe had bound him up so tightly that he was in armor from waist to neck. After a moment she started and trembled and bent over him and put her cheek close to his lips. She felt his breath and rose again slowly, almost as pale as he. That cheating fear had stabbed cruelly and still it would not let her be. His face was so thin so white and utterly tired the life was drained out of him she sat beside him still but for the beat of her bosom and it seemed that the consciousness in her was falling from a height or galloping against the wind she seemed to try to stop and could not she tried to change the fashion of her thought and had no power in that either it was a strange half angry half contemptuous pity that moved in her, and a fever of impatience. He was wicked to be struck down so, rent, impotent. Why must the wretch go plunging out into the world and measure himself against these swashbuckling conspirators? He had no equipment for it. He was fated to end with disaster. Faith, it was a cruel folly to throw himself away and drag up her life by the roots as he fell she needed him needed him quick and eager and there he lay a shrunken thing that could use only gentleness help a tedious trivial service like a child he was humiliated a condition not to be borne in her man as she watched him she saw Geoffrey waverton rise between them and menacing and his lustiness mocked at the still helpless body but on that all other feeling was lost in a fever of hate of mr waverton he was branded with every contemptible sin that she knew she ached to have him suffer and unaware of the contusions and extravasations administered by mr o'connor tried to console herself by recalling the ignominious condition of geoffrey in the hands of the truculent gentleman at highgate bah the coward was dishonoured for ever at least he would never dare show his face in town or country how could he mr hadley would spit him like a joint the good charles she found some consolation in the memory of mr hadley's sardonic contempt nay but the others that fire-eating little scotsman and his lank friend they were of the same scornful mind about mr waverton his blusterous bullying went for nothing with them but to call for more disdain they had no doubt that he cut a miserable figure that it was he who was humiliated in the affair and so all men would think indeed it was only a fool of a woman who could be imposed upon by his brag only a mean detestable woman who could suppose harry defeated why harry must needs have done nobly to enlist these men on his side he was nothing to captain mcbean nothing but what he had done and yet mcbean took up his cause with a perfect devotion cared for nothing but to punish his enemies and to assure his safety faith the little man would be as glad to thrash her as to overthrow master Geoffrey. he had come near it indeed she smiled a little the absurd imagination was not unpleasant monsieur was welcome to beat her if it would bring harry any comfort ay it would be very good for her She would be glad to show Harry the stripes. Nay, but it was Harry who should beat her. Only he never would, and these fantastics were swept away in the wave of tenderness. Mr. Harry was not good at making others suffer. He left it to his wife, poor lad, and she, she had done it greedily. Well, there was to be an end of that. Pray God he might ever be strong enough to hurt her she bent over him in this queer mood and her eyes were dim and she kissed him and whispered to herself to him yes she must make him hurt her she must have pain of him to bear harry slept on she began to caress his pillow and crooned over him like a mother with her child and found herself blushing and was still and silent again indeed she was detestable to make a show of fondling after having driven him to the edge of death, to chatter and flutter about him when he had no more than strength enough for sleep, why this was the very way for a light of love, and indeed she was no better wanting him only for her pleasure, for what he would give, watching greedily till he should be fit to serve her turn again. Yes, that was the only way of love Mrs. Allison understood it was some satisfaction to scold herself to make herself believe that she was vile for she wanted to suffer she wanted to be humbled not so much for the comfort of penance not even for the luxury of sensation which makes self-torture pleasure but that she might be sure of realizing her sins against the love which was now in command of all her being and go on to serve it WITH A CLEAN DEVOTION. ONE THING ONLY WAS WORTH DOING. IN ONE THING ONLY COULD THERE BE HONOR AND JOY, TO MAKE HIM WELCOME HER AND HAVE DELIGHT IN HER, AND SO SHE FELL AMONG DREAMS. SHE SAW SOMETHING GLITTER ON THE TABLE BY THE BED, AND idly PUT OUT HER HAND FOR IT. SHE FOUND HERSELF LOOKING AT THE DIAMONDS OF THE PRETENDER'S WATCH how did harry come to such a gorgeous toy j r the diamonds wrote who was j r alison harry said she started stared at him and stood up his eyes were open and he frowned a little alison it is you he said and rubbed at his eyes yes why have you come she fell on her knees by the bed oh harry harry she murmured and hid her face is it true i will be true she sobbed i want to see you she showed him her face pale and wet with tears after a while why have you come he said again harry i knew about Geoffrey. he told me you knew i wrote you warning i begged you come back to me oh harry harry you are proud i had no warning proud oh yes i am proud what were you with geoffrey harry oh harry no it's fair well i tried to trick him for your sake to save you i am obliged for your care of me she cried out Ah, oh, god and hid her face again harry lay still and white as death oh harry you torture me she murmured you have the right no man but you has ever had a thought of me harry i want to pray you oh i want to lie at your feet only believe in me use me take me again i am a fool harry said and she looked up and saw that he too was crying oh curse the wound he said hoarsely egad i'm damned feeble child i love you i love you she sobbed and pressed her face to his oh harry i am wicked she raised herself you are hurt and i wear you out that's a brag harry smiled faintly it takes more than you can give to kill me ma'am ah don't stand up and let me look at you which she did and made a parade of a beauty smiling through tears ay you're a splendid woman and his eyes brightened she made him a curtsey. it's at your will sir yes and why why what made you come back my dear she held out her arms to him i have wanted you ever since i lost you and now now i am nothing unless you want me oh be easy there is plenty of you and i want it all can you say so oh harry you have known enough bad that's me cruel and greedy and hard and cheating i have always taken and given nothing back damn your humilities harry said oh sir but i want them my new humilities i have nothing else to cover my nakedness you look better without them ma'am fie i will stop your mouth but it was a cup of herb water that she offered him instead of a kiss you are a cheat harry spluttered you presume on my infirmities no no i have made you talk too much you must be still and rest again burn your maternal care i have hardly seen you yet a minute a minute oh she looked at the jeweled watch ay sir an hour and what's this pretty toy harry laughed why now i have you sure ma'am it's a love token i shall go away sir not till you come by the secret i know you his ear was pinched j r who is j r sir jemima regina a queen of beauty ma'am she fell in love with my nose and offered me a thousand pound for it harry i am going to say good-night hear the truth alison do you remember you told me i was born to be a highwayman my stand and deliver stare my oh don't play so i was a fiend when i taunted you so why child it's nothing come then j r is jacobus rex the poor lad prince james who will never be a king god help him he gave me that for a memory of some little service i did him mcbean brought the toy today alison nodded i will have that story from captain mcbean sir you tell stories mighty ill do you know Highwaymen. yes harry you are that you pillage us all love honour you win it from all and i-i am the last to know you bah you will never be a wife harry said you have too much imagination but you make a mighty fine lover my dear end of part ten recording by james carson the highwayman by h c bailey